Hello friends, welcome back to the Fit for Prosperity podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. In today's episode, we're going to talk about cryptocurrency or to be a little bit more specific, DeFi, aka decentralized finance. For this episode, I'm going to bring you Yuri Maibaum. He's one of the owners of DeFi Times. And um, yeah, as he has a media company that's solely focused on decentralized finance, he has a very, very deep knowledge in the space. He really lo- knows a lot. And even for me, for someone who's into the space as well, that's what I learned so much talking to him. It was super awesome. And I'm sure if you like cryptocurrency, if you're interested in the topic, you will learn a lot if you listen to this episode. So have a lot of fun with the episode. Make sure that if you like it, you follow the show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Enjoy the show. Before we get into it, Yuri, just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your story and how you get to yeah, where you are now. Yeah. Um, hey, man. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I'm the co-founder of DeFi Times and uh, I entered the crypto industry when I yeah, studied for my uh, high school exams so for my final high school exams. And yeah, then this was the beginning of uh, a great journey because uh, when I started to learn about crypto, I immediately had the feeling, okay, I'm I'm entering the industry to to really stay here because I found everything so fascinating. And yeah, then I went uh, to Africa and this was the first time when I realized um, how important uh, crypto services really are because I, I saw in Africa how many people are isolated from the financial system. And this was the first time when I really saw uh, the use cases in, uh, in the, for, for the very first time by myself. And um, yeah, that was also the, uh, the time when DeFi emerged uh, for the very first time. So this was uh, 2019. And yeah, and then the Corona pandemic came up. And then I said, okay, uh, I have to do something. I have to start a project. And that, this was uh, DeFi times. And since then I'm working on it. I also started uh, to study law, but um, you know, if you're in crypto, everything is getting boring pretty fast. And uh, yeah, so I decided to go all in crypto and yeah, here I am in Lisbon. Awesome. And I mean, maybe you can tell us real quick what DeFi Time actually does. It's a media agency, but what are, what are you doing actually? Yeah, we started just as a with a Twitter uh, account uh, with no followers or so, and then we just said, okay, let's um, try something in the space because Diva was pretty young then, and then we started a newsletter, and then we started the podcast, then we started the YouTube channel. Um, so our strategy is um, to start as a media company, and uh, then we will see. We want to go more towards an online magazine right now, but um, I think uh, right now, uh, no matter in which sector you want to operate, it makes sense to start as a media company uh, because then you can build up your own audience, your own yeah, your own uh, customer circle also. So yeah, that's our strategy to really build up a media company. And from there you can go wherever you want because then you have the audience already. Awesome. And I mean, you told us real quick that you got into crypto during high school. Like, can you go a little bit more into detail um, how you actually were, like how you learned about it and was like, oh yeah, that's amazing. Like, and, and what you did from there, like just how did you get into it? 
Yeah, that's a really funny story because um, I founded DeFatons with my partner Fabian and um, he was pretty good in math in high school, but I, <laughs> I wasn't, I was really bad. Um, so uh, my mother, uh, you know, encouraged me to say, okay, let's go, uh, go to Fabi, he, sh he should uh, show you math and stuff. And um, yeah, I, I, what you have to know is that in my state in Germany, it's allowed to fail one exam in the uh, final stage of high school. So I was allowed to, to, to fail in, in, in math completely, but you know, I, I, I wanted to make some points in the exams. Anyway, I was at Fabi and then um, he had his desktop open and uh, I was like, hey, what's that? Ah, crypto, ah, internet money, you can touch it and gold is better, blah, blah, blah. But uh, <laughs> then he really encouraged me to dive deeper and we talked and talked and talked. And yeah, after I left his home, I knew, okay, I want to go all in crypto and uh, I, uh, I don't want to uh, study math anymore. And this is how everything began. And because... Um, because it's allowed to fail in one exam, I decided to say, okay, um, it doesn't make sense to invest so much time into the math exam. So I was the only one in the math exam who, yeah, didn't uh, write the exam. I was there and I was reading the book from Dr. Julian Hosp um, <laughs> about cryptocurrencies. And yeah, my so journey started. So you're sitting in the exam room, reading a book about crypto and handing in an empty paper when the time exactly. was up. <laughs> exactly. That's amazing. That's amazing. Love that story. And then from there, you still try to get the, like, I would say traditional route, right? When you got into studying law, um, yeah. but that didn't take so long. <laughs> How was that process? Like, at what point did you realize, like, now I can live off of crypto. I don't even need to study law or was it more like, I don't want to study law because it just sucks. And I like the crypto thing much more and I have to make something work. Like where were you in that transitioning to full crime time crypto career um, when you decided to make that move and yeah, just walk us through that process. Yeah. I mean, the, the process um, just, took like one year, one and a half year or so, but uh, still it feels like uh, decades because so many things happened. Um, mm -hmm. So everything started when I went uh, to, to Africa, I always wanted to study law. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I was I was very young back then and I just had like a small initial capital, so 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 not, not much. And then I returned from Africa and I just had a huge journey and I had much experience, but very little money and I basically started from zero. So um, I didn't have the arguments. I, I didn't even have enough money to, to found something or so. So um, this was like, for, for me, it was like sure to say, okay, let's uh, study at first, let's uh, get some education. But then the Corona pandemic came in between. And um, yeah, I just collected the rest of my money and um, I worked wherever I could. I worked as a freelancer for Google. Uh, I worked for um, another law firm as a freelancer. I worked for a crypto magazine and I studied, 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 and I invested all my money I had into crypto and into my new company. And it was, it was like, I, I was like working all day long, every week, uh, weekends. I even worked on, on Christmas Eve uh, for a little bit. Uh, my parents weren't that happy about it, but anyway, but um, yeah. And uh, then finally 
um, now we are here and um, the crypto market also, of course, also the crypto markets um, were, had an impact on that. Uh, because then, because of that, my financial situation looks very different now to the one. Uh, from obviously. Two, obviously. But uh, yeah, most importantly, I, I, DeFi Times is growing pretty fast. Um, mm -hmm. we, a, we build up a huge network. We uh, have uh, passive income and so on. And we now hired one of my former high school colleagues. So uh, everything is, is paying off right now. And I realized that now is it's the time to do that because in, in in germany you study law for eight or nine years and i started to don't measure my wealth in money but in time mm -hmm. and if i realize how quick the internet um, evolved over the past years how fast technology can develop uh, i realized okay decentralized finance is building on a on on, on an ecosystem that exists today already like Ethereum, but also Bitcoin. And um, software is, uh, you can develop software so fast. So I think we will see so many changes in the next mm -hmm. few years. Uh, if I would invest that at that time, this eight or nine years into, into law, I would miss out on a lot of chances. And I wasn't, you know, I wasn't willed uh, to miss out on these chances. Yeah, I love that, um, how you say that, you value the time more than the actual money. So it was more about getting all the opportunities that you would lose. Like, I think that's an awesome, awesome way to look at life. It's very good. Um, so then I think what was also a nice segue into the nitty and gritty stuff, um, mm -hmm. decentralized finance. For any listener that doesn't know what you're talking about, he knows maybe something about crypto, but nothing anymore. Can you define DeFi, what it is? Um, yeah, just a quick definition. Yeah, quick definition is um, is maybe a little bit hard, but uh, but I try. <laughs> so everything, just imagine is that everything started with, with Bitcoin. Bitcoin uh, used to be the perfect store of value. So you have similar characteristics to gold. So limited, so, so the, the supply of Bitcoin is similar to gold uh, limited. And um, you you have to invest a lot of effort to to get Bitcoin. So that was the first initial idea behind cryptocurrencies to say, hey, we have a decentralized uh, money. So there's no institution that controls Bitcoin or no company that hands out Bitcoin. It's just like a decentralized resource from the internet, which is which has a capped supply. And the idea was that the people can start to trust finance uh, again, and that the people can secure their money. So, so that was the first initial idea, but this was in 2009. And uh, Bitcoin became bigger and bigger and bigger. And then um, Ethereum uh, emerged a couple of years afterward. And um, it was founded by uh, Dr. Gavin Wood, um, Vitalik Buterin and Charles Hoskinson. And the idea was to create a blockchain. So to create an ecosystem where developers can come together and start to build things uh, on, on top on, on, uh, on this network. Um, and now DeFi, DeFi just emerged in 2019, end of 2019 or so. And uh, here's the clue. So in 2017, when the bull one, when the first big attention was, uh, was on crypto, there were no real application. It was like more theory. It was more uh, speculation, but with DeFi, 
you create um, decentralized financial services. So today you go to a bank and then you deposit your money in a bank and the bank is a middleman who lends your money to others. The problem is that if your bank, for example, screws up, you have a problem as well. Uh, people experienced that in Cyprus, they weren't able to get their money back. And the other hurdle is for many people, we have 1 billion people in the world who are too poor to afford a bank account. And they are from the very beginning isolated from the financial sector. And even if you have the greatest ideas for your company, for your startup, whatever, if you cannot afford uh, um, um, like launching a bank account, you, yeah, you are isolated. You can't do, do much anymore because you need it for the, uh, to, to declare taxes at the office for, for like everything. So you stay basically poor just because you're poor. And uh, with DeFi for the very first time, any financial service you can imagine, like money markets, so something like I have money, I deposit it somewhere and I get a yield on it, I get a return. Um, it's now accessible for everything, but that's also for the derivatives market, for the, for the stock market, for exchanging assets back and forth. It's all about bringing the financial sector in the digital world and decentralize it. So there is no middleman anymore. They are just people who build up protocols and supply and demand meets. And everything is, is, is built up on, on a blockchain such as Ethereum, where everything is tr uh, transparent. So you don't need a middleman who, um, yeah, who is like uh, the trusted person in between because you just see what happens and you can be assured that everything is uh, fine. Yeah, I mean, that sounds in theory uh, super awesome, right? It's this uh, computer protocol that runs everything. There is no mistakes and nothing going wrong until there is. So I think, or what I want to ask you here is, um, a lot of people like to have a central institution that they can go up to and talk to if they experience a problem or if something's not working the way they would want to or if they have any questions. How do you think um, DeFi can overcome that or um, yeah, what other drawbacks do you see? What risks are there? Because what if the computer system uh, stops running properly or anything like that? Yeah, the first thing I say, um, I say in every podcast uh, I, I publish is investing in cryptocurrencies is risky and uh, that's completely true and DeFi is maybe, uh, yeah, the highest, uh, the, like like the most riskiest uh, part of, uh, of crypto, but uh, I'm not worried about that the system goes down or so because um, all the protocols I mostly invest in are, are built on, on Ethereum, or maybe also on Polkadot. And uh, these systems or these networks are absolutely huge, and a lot of there are a lot of participants. So it's yeah, almost yeah, it's it's not it's physically impossible to hack the Ethereum blockchain. So I'm not worried about something like this. Um, the risky thing about DeFi is, for example, that you send your money to the wrong address. So let's say you want to send uh, the uh, you want to transfer money to your landlord, and yeah. You make a mistake and there's one x uh, missing or so in the address then your money is lost in the internet and the landlord is still waiting for his money and um these are for example the risks or the risk that uh, you invest in a protocol uh, and uh, it has an anonymous team and out of a sudden it disappears or um yeah there are many other risky things because you don't have this middleman in between and that's the reason and you said it already 
that many people want this middleman in between. They want to have a bank where they say, oh, I accidentally sent my money to the wrong address. And um, yeah, that, that's totally true. And that's also the reason why I think that DeFi will, will get more into the back end. So what, what I make, I'm, I'm, we are in the very young ages of, mm. on, on the, of the internet. So, um, it's, so it's the same. So um, it's a wild, it's a, uh, we are in the wild Western times right now. Everything is new and everything has to mature, but this is also where you make a lot of uh, gains and uh, returns, of course, because if you were one of the first people who used the internet and, you know, exchanged knowledge with uh, Mark Zuckerberg and Jeff Bezos, um, you probably, you're probably fine now. And if you in invested in Google from the very early days, of course, it was risky uh, back then. There were also a lot of questions with the internet, but it's the same thing with DeFi now, exactly the same thing. Um, and so the internet obviously became mainstream. Um, I think both of us really want to see DeFi also becoming mainstream. Um, what do you think needs to happen that um, we can solve those problems that DeFi still has and make it accessible to our grandparents, our parents, you know, like what needs to happen to get DeFi into um, a mainstream area and how would, will that ecosystem looks like once it's fully integrated? Yeah, well, I mean, DeFi is still pretty, pretty young and um, it's very interesting. I mean, you're also uh, active in the crypto industry. And what I find so funny is DeFi exists. So the term DeFi and most protocols were built around 2018, 2019. So we talk about an industry that is two or three years old and that is tackling the um, to disrupt the most powerful sector in the world after yeah. two or three years. And the people are like, oh, 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 uh, there are so many problems like, yeah, but I mean, that's not easy what we do here. That's not yeah. a small thing we do here. And for me, Definitely. of course, the most the most obvious thing right now is um, Ethereum. So, so I think that that most of 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 of, uh, of DeFi will be built on on Ethereum. And Ethereum has to tackle the scalability uh, problem. So right now, transactions are like using. So nowadays, you have the hurdle in the financial system that many people can't access it because a bank refuse them to let them create a bank account. But uh, in DeFi, you know, they have the hurdle that transaction fees are so high that there is a financial hurdle for many people because they can't afford to use it. And I mean, that's also not, that shouldn't be the approach. But um, this is about to change because we have many new scaling solutions which are introduced. Um, so then there's East 2.0, which is shipped. So DeFi will become more scalable. And last but not least, and I think that's the most important thing I think many people have a wrong imagination of the future. They think that uh, DeFi is yield farming and all the crazy stuff only, and that our parents will sit there and create a MetaMask and will provide liquidity on 10 different protocols, like we do it today, like my generation do it today. But um, that won't happen, I think. And I talked to many people also from, uh, from, from, the, uh, from the institutional financial world. And they are very interested in DeFi and they basically want to uh, use it as backend so that all the protocols I already mentioned, like the money markets, they are way more efficient. So on other, you earn like 2% uh, return on a stable coin, which is a coin that is backed one-to-one -to, -one to the dollar. And just imagine that going to a bank and say, hey, I want to get 2% 
on my deposited money, they will say, hey, are you crazy? Go to a Uzbekistan. Maybe there's a bank who can do that for you. But um, that's the thing. The, these institutions, they want to uh, build an infrastructure to say, hey, we mint your money on your bank account and put it for you onto other. So you don't have to, you know, uh, have to be careful when providing liquidity somewhere. We do this for you. Um, you are, we, we, we do this for you, everything is in the back end. This is how many banks will change their services. We saw it with ING, BBVA is also more in, uh, is also going more into this direction so that your parents and grandparents have still a number to call, still a person behind it. But over the time, it will be more and more and more decentralized. And the greatest thing is, even though we have maybe some intermediaries in between, people from, for example, uh, very poor regions in the world can still access DeFi because they don't necessarily need this mm -hmm. institution in between. They can just use it. And the people who feel comfortable with a middleman, maybe they have a smaller return, but um, they can get still more return on their money as they would do it today. Yeah, and they still have the security because in the end, like they have the money on their bank account. And if the bank gets rug pulled, then... Um... That's the problem of the bank. You st they still owe you the money, so you have all the securities. I think it makes definitely a lot of sense that um, the big players will basically just start to use DeFi and basically use the investors' money to make money in DeFi and in increase their returns because that's basically what they're doing already now. They just invest the money in different markets or they, they buy bond bonds instead of like staking coins you know but the yeah, principle and, uh, is the same yeah and if you um maybe maybe you followed this news as well there was a16z and a16z is uh, the biggest venture capitalist in the world so mm -hmm. um they invested 80 million dollars in twitter when twitter was pretty small they invested money from the very beginning in airbnb there are many success stories, uh, Dropbox, et cetera. So these guys really know what they do, uh, what they do and they, uh, the two partners, uh, Ben Horowitz and Andresen, they became billionaires in the internet bubble. And now they just set up the greatest, uh, the largest um, crypto fund ever, like $2.2 billion to invest in different protocols. And they are invested in DeFi protocols such as Uniswap, Chainlink, and MakerDAO already. And this is what I want to say, the smart money is coming into DeFi and even though we see some, some crashes here and there, the smart money came and the smart money is here to stay. And I think the chances are, you know, that the odds to, to win in DeFi, especially with high quality DeFi blue chips are higher than ever before. Mm -hmm. I think it's no brainer for me right now. No yeah. I mean, you just said like the um, investing into the blue chip uh, DeFi coins. If someone wants to get into um, DeFi right now, what do you think is the most sensible thing to do? So is it to just uh, like go for the big projects, the established one, or should, be, or should people be more interested into looking for newer, smaller opportunities, stuff that is not yet um, fully established and has a much smaller market cap? Or um, do you see a lot of um, potentially in yield farming? Um, yeah, what do you think is like the most sensible thing to do? The most crucial thing is to, to start learning at first because um, if you don't have a clue about anything, you will, you will get wrecked because as I mentioned, DeFi is risky and DeFi is brutal. 
uh, if uh, the losers losers will uh, are getting sorted out pretty pretty fast and if you don't know how things do you you can't decide okay on your own which project is good and which project mm -hmm. is not so i would really uh, recommend if you really are interested into DeFi, start to understand bitcoin at first and start to understand cryptocurrencies in general and then start to focus on ETH and learn, 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 learn. Because um, if you don't have the knowledge, you won't be able to sit out, you know, crashes or, or dumps or so. But mm -hmm. uh, what my general, um, my, 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 my general, I wouldn't say advice, but a recommendation would be to say, hey, I focus more on the Ethereum ecosystem because I, I used to live in a living community with some people who were new into, in, in, into crypto and they were always asking, hey, look at this Cardano and look at this and that and this mm -hmm. project 100x moon. Hey guys, this thing <laughs> is getting so big. If, if DeFi works out and on Ethereum is, is currently the most development is taking on is taking place on DeFi, all this money is going on, on uh, into Ethereum. So I, I would say, okay, ignore all these, all this greediness um if this if this whole thing becomes big you're still one of the early ones and don't get too greedy and really focus on the high quality projects there are a few on on on, on ethereum and start to explore the ethereum ecosystem but also and that's the most important thing understand it understand why it is so high quality and what's why why decentralization and security is so important because otherwise you you, you get wrecked anyway mm -hmm. I think that's a great advice in general, not only like for DeFi, just in the crypto space, like people buy those shit coins and like the high risk projects just because they want to see 100x in, in a couple months. Um, and then, yeah, they get wrecked and, and leave the crypto space forever, which is kind of a loss for, for everyone. So um, it's high risk, it's high reward anyway, like you don't need to even increase the risk a lot more, I think. But I mean, to each and every one, his own risk tolerance, right? Um, then what thing, what do you think are, you've already said ETH 2.0 um, is coming. What are some other big steps that we can expect in the immediate future by um, in the DeFi, eco or DeFi ecosystem? Mm -hmm. um, is it only Ethereum or are there some other coins that um, are looking to make big changes and might revolutionize the whole sector? Yeah, there are, there are so many things, so many things. It's even hard to keep an overview about everything. So in the Ethereum ecosystem, we, of course, ETH 2.0 will be shipped over time over the next few weeks and months, or maybe months, better said. But um, there's also ERP-1559, which uh, makes uh, ETH um, the same, uh, which gives ETH the same characteristics um, as, for example, uh, Bitcoin. So ETH nowadays is inflationary, so ETH is just getting created, but there's no capped supply and ETH is not, you know, ETH is just increasing in supply. And this shouldn't be the goal, of course. And with this new mechanism, ETH is getting burned whenever a transaction on the Ethereum network is, um, is, is executed. So um, this is one of the upgrades. We all look forward in the crypto industry, but we are also looking forward to the Polkadot main launch. Um, it's Polkadot aims to be, yeah, if, if you're not in DeFi, I would say just imagine it as a similar version to, uh, to Ethereum so people can come together and start to build things. 
And um, yeah, there's the same thing. Everything is uh, looking forward to the mainnet launch because then this uh, network is getting active and can, you know, be on the same stage as, as Ethereum because nowadays nothing much is online right now. Same with Cosmos, another ecosystem which aims to connect all the different networks with each other, is launching several, um, you know, applications and services. So yeah, we are we are we live in very exciting times, and uh, I also mentioned that um, Ethereum is not scalable right now. There are many scale of scaling solutions such as Arbitrum and Optimism, and their launch is also around the corner. So within a couple of months or weeks, Ethereum will be become scalable. And I think yeah, we can we, we live in very exciting times right now. Awesome. Um, you mentioned like all those different networks now. Um, in the future of DeFi, would you think that we have a lot of different networks still, or will it be like, I mean, we have one internet. So do you think there will be one DeFi um, ecosystem that just kills all the other ones and takes over and everything runs on the same uh, blockchain? Or do you think we will have a lot of net um, different networks that kind of interact together? Or um, how do you see that developing? I mean, the people compare the history of crypto and DeFi often with the internet bubble, but I think what uh, many people miss is that you can't compare it one to one. Um, I think the future is definitely multi-chain, but it's not like that we have, there is also not today, there's also not the one internet. I mean, there are also many different um, web browsers. You can use Google, but you can also use Yahoo, you can also use Firefox. So it's not the internet. If we just create a connection between your computer and mine with a private network, that's also the internet. So um, uh, there's no company the internet. So th that's 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 very uh, very crucial to understand that it is just like an infrastructure, and that's the same. What we will see with 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 DeFi and crypto, we will see um, everything, everything will take place in, in the back end, I think. And uh, most of the people won't really recognize which blockchain they are using. Still, I'm convinced that we will have several different networks and um, you just use the network that make, make the most uh, sense for you. But I think that the big money is using Ethereum while startups who want to try out things, who want to develop some things, will use another blockchain. And maybe if you have, maybe there's another blockchain from even a central bank who says, hey, we have our own blockchains for our own uh, digital currency. That can all happen. So um, I think we will see the future is definitely multi-chain. So we will see many networks, but most of the people won't recognize that they even use crypto, that they even mm -hmm. use one blockchain. It will be all. It will be all all seamless. So, um, and that the people don't have to understand DeFi. That people won't have to understand crypto because most of the people they use Instagram, Snapchat, and so on and so forth. But I think ninety nine percent of the people who use it don't understand how to program Uniswap and how Uniswap works in detail. So, same thing here. Yeah, most of the people using the internet don't don't even know how computers communicate with each other right how a network is built and yet they are participating in a network of billions of computers worldwide and probably like the DeFi, we can expect the same right you can have your browser 
whatever form that takes where you interact with all the blockchains but the software then will do everything in the background to to guide us now one thing that also interests me is you have been talking a lot about uh, scalability um can you tell us real quick what that means and why it is so hard to achieve so why do we need tons of upgrades and um, the development to make a blockchain being able to use by a lot of people yeah so scalability basically um, means that in, in plain words that you a blockchain is scalable when you have when you can execute transactions um, for very little money so uh, today it's uh, ethereum costs a lot of uh, like ethereum transactions cost most of the times a lot of money um which is why ethereum isn't scalable right now mm -hmm. and um, here's the thing that's also why i encourage you to learn uh, to understand this is uh, there's a so-called blockchain trilemma so it's not very easy mm -hmm. to achieve it, it is uh, it is easy to achieve scalability but um, you have to you have trade-offs uh, most yeah. of the time so for example a bank a bank transfer is very scalable so you don't have to pay a lot of uh, fees if you just transfer your money to your father who is at the same bank as well you most of the times don't even pay something right mm. because you just have one institution who is responsible for this uh, for this transaction it's pretty easy the transaction is is controlled by one single party however if you highly centralized right highly centralized exactly but if you use it on ethereum you interact with a whole decentralized network and everyone in the network approves this transaction so the the more decentralized your network is the more secure it is because it's it's hard you don't have one single point of failure but on the other hand it's like the, the architecture is so complex that a transaction costs a lot of money and um yeah that's 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 always the problem with, with new networks so um, again, if you start to invest and uh, you hear, oh, Ethereum is not scalable right now, and there's blockchain XYZ, like for example, Binance Smart Chain, wow, look at this, they are so scalable, they will become the next Google, I invest all my money in this, and then you didn't get the point that they are, that they may be very scalable, but they just have like, I think, 45 participants in that network, so you have, it's very highly centralized, it's, more, it's almost as centralized as a bank, so that's the huge trade-off between decentralization, scalability, and uh, security. So uh, you have to find a way to bring these three things together. And Ethereum is working on it with uh, scaling solutions because they are a little bit external and they also mm -hmm. want to ship ETH 2.0. So this is the reason why it takes so much effort to do this because Ethereum says we really want to ensure that um, we want to ensure the decentralization and the security of uh, the network makes a lot of sense so then this would also be like a huge step for the that might be necessary for the DeFi um world to solve that trilemma and get like all the three things um that's do you think that's possible is that where we are going or will we always have to decide between um scalability security decentralized decentralizations or take a compromise solution that has a little bit of everything uh, no definitely not we will solve it um 
Ethereum is about to solve with ETH two uh, with ETH two um, It won't be enough. So ETH two alone probably wouldn't be enough for um, to use Ethereum on a daily basis in the supermarket. It probably would be still too expensive for for many many people. But with scaling solutions such as Optim Optimism and Arbitrum or whatever, uh, these transactions are um, are collected off-chain so that the, the transactions are bundled off-chain and then they will um, uh, they will be brought up to the ethereum blockchain at one at some point in the in the future so um, this in, enables high scalability and uh, that's the beautiful thing about this industry because it's not like in the normal banking system where you have one bank and if the bank misbehaves fails or don't have a solution they just get bailed out by, by the taxpayers or or something else happens uh, no it's it's a free market it's a definition of capitalism because people come together and business are created and say we want to focus on that problem we want to help the ethereum ecosystem and now we have several uh, scaling solutions that compete with each other. So basically we will see uh, some winners there, but mm -hmm. um, I'm sure it will be, everything will be decentralized. We will have a multi-chain future, but it will be also scalable. We're just at the very beginning. Yeah, I think, I mean, that as you said, we, we can't forget that crypto in itself is very, very young and DeFi is even a lot younger like you said yeah. two or three years and the whole financial system that we have in place currently is like well above 100 years old right so you cannot expect a two-year-old new solution to solve all the problems um, already that such an old system um, has learned to solve over many years or has evolved in um, do you think for a fully decentralized financial system, we will also need to get rid of the um, global currencies that we have right now and only have cryptocurrency? Or do you think we will still have this exchange between fiat money and cryptocurrency? Very interesting that you ask this question now because just a few days ago, an executive from the bank BBVA um, questioned if uh, EU would meet any market demand. And mm -hmm. I think this is a statement if somebody from a bank says, hey, I think the currencies we use today may not meet any market demand right now. <laughs> and um, the thing is many central banks work on digital currencies right now so that I think that we won't use cash in 10 years anymore. I think that, yeah, not, not science fiction anymore. I think that this is becoming more and more a reality. Several central banks, such as the ECB, such as the um, Chinese uh, central bank, they all work on digital currencies. And of course, they are highly, highly centralized. Uh, it's basically just cash in our current form, just in digital. That's yeah. the only difference. But uh, I think the most important thing, and, and you mentioned it, that people have to get used to the fact that digital assets have value and uh, they have to get um, you know, in touch with them and they have to get used to that they use digital money. And I think this will be just one of the few steps because at some point in the future, they will say, okay, I can use CBDCs. I can use a central digital currency but why should I? 
I mean, I can use DAI. DAI is also a stable currency. Mm -hmm. It has the same impact. I can use it everywhere as well, but it's completely decentralized. So it's better than a CBDC. So why the hell should I use the CBDC? So I think it's just a part of that whole revolution um, that we uh, that we go more and more towards decentralization. But mm -hmm. this won't happen from one day to the next day. It, it, it will be a journey over years and years and years and years. Mm. And yeah, maybe a lot of narratives have to change, but um, I'm pretty confident that this will happen. Yeah, so basically what you're saying is over the course of decades, people will start first, they don't trust crypto, but if the central banks tell them, well, here is the euro, here is a Swiss franc, it's just in the internet, they kind of trust it. And then they ask themselves, and then they get into the stable coins. Well, the stable coins are still linked to the like currency. So if the central banks keep printing money, your stable coin will basically still lose value, right? And from there, they would then probably realize, okay, uh, instead of using that money that's linked to the central currency, I can get into Bitcoin, which is then um, like fully safe of inflation. And, or maybe by then it's another currency because it's such a long time horizon, right? But basically it's gonna be a slow transition from into the into digital and then into like the real cryptocurrencies. And at some point we might be paying our food with Bitcoin. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's a huge misconception by many people. I, I believe um, this was one of the first ideas that Bitcoin will be used for everyday transactions, but um, the Bitcoin is, will become a similar asset compared to gold. Um, I think that's a in so interesting thing about DeFi because now we really have real world applications and things that really work. And I mentioned DAI is a stable coin. It may be packed to the dollar one day, but the huge difference between the dollar and DAI, and DAI is dollar is just created by the Fed and it can mm -hmm. be printed. And DAI is just oriented. So, so it's just packed to the US dollar. But if you want to create DAI, you have to deposit a collateral on the, on the MakerDAO protocol. So you have to bring in real value in order to get DAI. Mm -hmm. But one day in the future, I think DAI won't be pegged to some fiat currency anymore. It will be just DAI with mm -hmm. the huge difference that it's backed by, by real value. And you can really see by how much and when the collateral was deposited, you have full transparency and security. And I think, yeah, this will become the future. Mm -hmm. But the financial system will be just the beginning. We will basically decentralize every sector in the world. We just start with the financial sector. So, I mean, basically what you're saying is the stable coins will go back to what fiat currency used to be when it was backed by gold, right? Exactly. That makes a lot of sense. Then you have, because the inflation, I think, is, the, is one of the huge uh, problems that cryptocurrency is also solving besides the whole centralization. So I think we have uh, learned a ton about um, cryptocurrency and decentralized finance. I've learned a lot about the outlook, what we can expect from the future. Um, just before we wrap it up, one question that I ask every guest on the podcast, and that's, do you like reading? What is a book that you would um, recommend everyone to read? 
can be anything can be about crypto but also can be yeah. about just life uh, philosophy whatever even even uh, whatever you like yeah that's a very interesting uh, question because i read a very good a couple of good books in the past i would uh, i would uh, recommend uh, anti fragile from uh, nasim taleb um, it's okay. um, yeah, it's a very good book. It uh, basically describes uh, describes how the world works. That systems are proven over and over again, and um, that basically failure also trains uh, trains a system to become better. So there are many many aspects. It's a long book, but uh, I would really recommend uh, this one. Awesome! Thank you so much. That's also another one that I haven't read. I actually get so many recommendations on the podcast and then I read the books and mostly they're amazing. So I guess I'll pick that one up too and read it. So it's awesome. Great. Thank you. Um, then um, where can people find, find you, reach out to you and where can they find DeFi Times? Yeah, um, so we just launched a YouTube channel. So if you are interested in a more visual uh, content, um, DeFi Times, like DeFi and Times, you can find us on uh, YouTube. But um, if you want to listen to the podcast, we have we are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, basically everywhere where you can listen to uh, to podcasts. And yeah, if you want to read more, I would also recommend um yeah our newsletter so you can basically just google DeFi times and i think you will find a lot of uh hop off points because we are yeah basically everywhere <laughs> awesome and i'll also make sure to link your twitter and your podcast and your youtube channel in the show notes so just scroll down a little bit and click it um so yeah that's it thank you so much for uh being on yuri thank you so much for your time it was very interesting i love that talk and for my podcast it was very different but it was awesome thank you so much yeah thanks for having me and see you in Lisbon. yeah see you soon <laughs> bye bye see you bro bye um, so that's it for today thank you so much for tuning in i hope you enjoyed the show if you did so please leave me a written review telling me what you liked about it. And well, if you didn't like it as well, let me know what I can do better. I'm always striving to improve this show and make it the best possi podcast possible. Thank you again for tuning in and talk to you next time. Peace out.